going to take your hymnal and turn to number seven. You can stand too. Number seven. Fill my cup, Lord. We'll sing all three verses. tonight to God's house on this Sunday night and looking forward to what God has for us. So glad to have our dear friend Joe Kotbass with us, missionary to the deaf in Peru. He's going to share his heart, his burden with us tonight. So glad he can be with us. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our gracious Father, we do ask that you would fill our cups tonight uh, through thy word and through thy spirit. God, show us things, Lord, that would help us, encourage us from thy word, strengthen our faith in you. We thank you for our dear brother uh, being with us tonight and for his faithfulness there in Peru for so many years. I pray you bless him, bless his family. Brother, brother uh, Nate Tannehill, he's down there ministering with those dear folks. Uh, thank you for that opportunity. Again, we just ask that you meet with us tonight. Lord, encourage us to love you more and to serve you more. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just remind you a couple of things. Uh, don't forget, men, tomorrow we'll have a men's breakfast at 9 a.m. at the 43rd Street Deli. Love, we'd love to have you come and enjoy the food and fellowship with us. Also, of course, Wednesday night services, all our services and things that we are doing through the week are on the left-hand side of your bulletin. Um, Thursday, we'll have our men's Bible study at 7 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Uh, church-wide visitation is coming, sun, uh, coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. We're going uh, back to the um, men's retreat in Lake Park, Georgia. Uh, we, always, we do that usually the end of January, end of February, and this is the 23rd and 24th. It's, uh, it's $40 for a night. If you're going to stay both uh, days, it is $80, but I encourage you men to sign up today 
And also, man, if you're planning on going, go to VentureOfFaith.com. VentureOfFaith.com, sign up, register if you're planning on going, and get that done as soon as possible. They're trying to get an early count of how many men are coming. So if you would go to that, that's going to be good food, good fellowship. Pastor Joe Arthur will be there preaching, and it will be a great time, I promise you. March 3rd, the Calvary Quartet will be coming to sing for us the Sunday morning, Sunday night, and evangelist Bruce Humpert. Uh, we'll be preaching that uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night of our missions conference. We're looking forward to that. That Sunday, March 3rd, we'll have an international potluck. And as I said, as I said this, this morning, just uh, fix where you're from. If you're from one part of the country, fix that. If you're from one part of the world, fix that. Whatever your part of the country or part of the world is known for, fix that. And we'll have a little bit of an international flavor. Now, we kind of do that already. We just don't we, don't, we don't talk about it, but we're going to do it intentionally uh, this, this time. So, Brother Tiny, I'm expecting some Cajun food, brother. Amen. You bring the good Cajun food and, uh, and your cook's right behind you. That's right. Yeah, that's right, brother. That, that was real good. I like the way you do that, Tiny. I learned from you. Okay. We're going to have some good, good food, good fellowship. And that Wednesday, we're going to have a missionary to Iceland. Brother, I've never met a missionary to Iceland. It's the Michael Shaver family. They're coming on the 6th and present their ministry. So we're looking forward to what God's going to do in our midst. Brother Keith. Please stand again and take your hand and turn to 267. 267. I know whom I believed. We'll sing the verses 1, 2, and 5.
right, take your hymnals and turn to 284. 284, just a closer walk with thee. Number 284. for the evening offering as our normal at the end of the service if you would like to give uh, to the ministry of brother joe cotvass we welcome you encourage you to do so there'll be some men in the back to take your offering again we encourage you to give towards the, the worthy ministry of brother joe cotvass there in peru ministering to the deaf i know it'll be a blessing to him as he continues to travel brother travis would you pray for tithes and offerings Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, Miss Robin. Well, as I mentioned, we're so excited to have Brother Joe Cotvass, missionary to the deaf in Peru. I've known him for nearly over 23 years, supported him when I was in that church down south uh, for 18 years personally. So I'm so blessed that he called and came by and he wanted to uh, present his ministry to the church. Tell us, give us an update on Brother Tannehill, which we commissioned ourselves as from North Gainesville Baptist Church. And, of course, he's completing his training down there with Brother Joe Cotvest's family even now. So, so glad he's, he's come tonight. He's going to show a video and then uh, present his ministry uh, that God has shared with him and preach the word of God to us. So if you want to show that video at this time, brother. There are a vast unreached people among us in every country, of every race, nationality, religion, education, and socioeconomic status. A people interwoven into the global tapestry of humanity, yet mostly unnoticed and underreached with the gospel. Who are they? They are the deaf among us, a people group with limited opportunities due to a barrier of silence hindering their access to the gospel message. This barrier limits most normal human conversations and interactions. Verbal and auditory methods of evangelism are not effective for them, thus limiting their exposure to the gospel message and their ability to respond to it. It is not that the deaf are unable to respond, on the contrary. With proper education and language training, like anyone, they can respond. They can repent of their sins and trust Christ as Savior. What they lack is opportunity. They need someone who will go to them on purpose to provide that opportunity to learn and understand the gospel. The Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even people with diverse disabilities such as deafness. We are all created on purpose for a purpose. And that is where we come in. The Cottonus family, Joe, Lisa and our children, missionaries to the deaf in Peru, South America and beyond. Sent out of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Fort Myers, Florida, assisted by Macedonia World Baptist Missions. Our mission is to pierce that silent barrier into their silent world to cultivate and create opportunities for the deaf to know, understand, and respond to God's love and salvation. I praise God for bringing Joe and me and our children here to Afatka to serve him. Throughout the years, God's brought many deaf children to Afatka, but many of them carry a burden that they don't know that their families love them. They aren't able to communicate that with them through sign language. And it's been really special to see how God uses us to help bring them to know his love. Both the parents and children introduce them to Christ and then be able to learn to love and forgive. Lisa and I, in partnership with faithful local churches and individuals, have been working in Peru with robust deaf and hearing outreaches since 1998 through our Lima-based Afata Ministries. Afata Ministries consists of 
a growing and vibrant church for deaf and hearing, multiple mission churches and outreach ministries, a school for the deaf, deaf and hearing Bible institutes, a Bible college, a training center where men and women are trained for ministry, especially deaf ministry in whatever country they are called, a pro-life pregnancy crisis counseling center, and outreaches to military, law enforcement, and governmental authorities. When I was younger, I wandered away from my parents. I arrived in Lima completely lost and confused. I am so thankful I was brought here to Ifanta. It was so good for me. Pastor Joe and Mrs. Lisa and all of my teachers, interpreters, and friends here taught me so much as I grew up. I've learned a lot, and now that I've finished high school, I'm looking forward to my next step. I'm planning to continue learning. I want to study in the Bible College or Institute and seek to follow God's perfect will for my life. Thank you all for praying for me. I was brought to the school at Afada to learn sign language. Here, I also learned about salvation and accepted Jesus as my Savior. Eventually, I graduated and started working on Bible translation for the deaf. I want to thank Pastor Joe for coming here as a missionary, and I also want to thank all of you. We never lose sight of our core goal, deaf and hearing people saved, baptized and discipled, and the establishment of churches, missions, and ministries throughout Peru and beyond. I grew up on the mission field here at Afanta, and I have now had the honor to serve with my father and my mother for over a decade here in this ministry. My wife, Sulema, also came to Christ through this church. Both her father and her mother are deaf Christians who were saved through this ministry. Ifata is truly a bright and shining gospel light for the deaf across Peru and South America. Through Ifata Ministries, we have trained men and women who serve in mission churches and ministries in nine cities in Peru. Mission works which are led by national pastors trained here at Ifata to work with both deaf and hearing. When I was six years old, I came to school at Afanta and began learning sign language. God worked in my heart and I was saved at 13. I graduated when I was 17 years old, finished school, and then I got away from the Lord for a while. God really got a hold of me and I surrendered to serve Him when I was 23 years old. I was baptized and I surrendered to ministry. I studied at the Afanta Bible Institute and then the Bible College, then I married my wife. Marco. The Lord called me to serve as pastor at the Afanta Baptist Church for the Deaf in Callao, where I've been ministering now for 10 years. Thank you, and God bless. In addition to our ministries across Peru, we have trained, ordained, and sent missionaries and leaders from Afanta Baptist Church who work with deaf and hearing in Ecuador, Venezuela, Bolivia, and the United States. God gave us the privilege to prepare ourselves here at Afanta Ministries in 2001. We knew some sign language from our country, but we needed to know more about the culture and the idiosyncrasies of the deaf. I can say that Ifanta has been decisive in our lives, in confirming our burden and our love for the deaf. We will always be grateful, and we carry in our hearts both the Ifanta ministry and Pastor Joe's family. Our heart is that our deaf in Venezuela can know more about God. Thank you to our mission partners who have united with us. You have sustained us by your prayers, financial support, and visits, co-laboring with us in various projects, outreaches, and mission trips with your hearts, hands, and resources. To our new friends, 
we would like to invite you to pray for God's leading to become a partner with us in Peru and around the world. There is so much more to do. We cannot do it alone. As we say at Afata, from the cross, that which Jesus did, through the church, what you, the local church, is doing, to the world, where we go and serve as missionaries. God's divine New Testament plan for world evangelism. We rejoice and are committed to our vision to reach every creature that God affords us an opportunity to reach, especially the deaf in a language they can understand with the gospel of God. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Joel, Lisa, Joel, Jessica, and Jennifer, missionaries to Peru and beyond for such a time as this. Well, are you glad you came to church tonight? I'm so thrilled to be here with Pastor Moon. We've been friends for a long time, and I've always enjoyed his his uh, faithfulness there in Bonita Springs. And he always, whenever we would get together, whether I'd be visiting or whether whether we were at a conference, there was just a light in his eyes about the idea of missions and what what they could do more and. We had, we had made plans for them to come to Peru on a missions trip, and of course that has never taken place yet. And we're praying that will take place one day, and that folks from here will be able to come to Peru and visit the mission field. And if you want an extra blessing, save a little extra money and go to Machu Picchu, one of the seven wonders of the world, you will not regret having gone there. But Honestly, it's a, a tremendous ministry. Again, we've been there for 25 years now as missionaries, and God has really blessed over the years. Uh, we uh, took over a ministry that was started by a deaf missionary, a pioneering deaf missionary who's now gone to be with the Lord. And we were able to continue that work, and, and we were a deaf church. And, and, of course, we believe hearing people can be saved as well. Amen? Amen. So we started a hearing ministry, and thus... Uh, you saw uh, the, 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 the shots in the, where the small areas where the deaf meet on Sunday mornings and, and uh, the outside areas where the, where the hearing meet. We're remodeling outside, converting a soccer court into an auditorium. And so pray for us as we're in the middle of that. We've got a big conference coming up in three weeks. And we've got all, we're remodeling a bunch of spaces so that uh, it would be more comfortable and uh, we'd be able to serve better. But God has been very good to us in all these years. The word ifat that comes from the Bible, and I'll show that to you later, but it simply means be open, be open ministries. And that is the name of our ministry and, and uh, the churches we establish, the association that we have with our, our mission churches. They're all in some form or fashion called ifata, uh, Baptist, whatever, uh, so that we can identify with our, our unique work with the deaf and the hearing. And there are, over the, and all over the world, many people do not know this, but in every country that your flags represent, there are deaf people. There are over 400 million deaf or hard of hearing people in the world today. If you were to put them all in one country, that would be the third largest country in the world. Deaf, sign dependent, are about 80 million. And still, that's larger than most countries. But deaf people do not get saved because they can sit on the pew and try to watch, read the pastor's lips. They're not going to get saved because you gave them a gospel tract. They're not going to get saved because of a video presentation. And they are surely not going to be saved because of a radio ministry. In order for the deaf 
to come to know Jesus as Savior, somebody has to care enough for them to bring them to the feet of Jesus on purpose in a language they can understand. And as is in many cases in third world countries, many deaf don't even have a language. The country may have one, and language, sign language is not universal. Every country has their own language. Peruvian sign language, American sign language. In Peru, they speak Spanish. So they, we have deaf people like one man. You saw him preaching there. He had a red shirt on. His name is Pastor Jorge. He's one of our deaf pastors. Pastor Jorge came to Efata when he was 17 years old with no language. He did not know how to read. He did not know how to write. He did not have any communicative skills. He went to the public school and they taught him nothing. But he so was passionate about learning. Now you can open the Bible to any passage and he'll read it with 99% accuracy. There might be some term there or something he might miss. But his Spanish is better than mine. You see, the deaf do not lack capacity. Barring some other physiological problem, they can understand just as well as you and I. What they lack is opportunity. And that's what we try to give them. And that's why we train people like Nate to learn how to work with the deaf. I, I've been, I meet with him once a week personally, and we spend hours talking about deaf and deaf ministry and deaf culture and deaf things, things that he did not know, things he didn't understand. And he's, uh, my son Joseph, who you saw in the video, is directly working with him. He's under him, and he works with him, and he's, he's traveling a little bit, seeing our different ministries and getting different flavors of leadership from the different leaders. And, and we're doing the best. He's going to be with us for six months and in two, three-month blocks. And I'm doing my best to help prepare him for what he's going to... We can't teach him a full language in six months. He's trying to learn Spanish and sign language at the same time. And I've told him, listen, buddy, you want to work with the deaf, your emphasis needs to be on sign language. Because if you can learn one sign language really well, it will help you in the, uh, in the acquisition of another country's sign language. You have no idea if you're going to end up in a, in a Spanish-speaking country. In fact, his heart's right now is in New Zealand, and they don't speak Spanish there. But they do have their own sign language. So we are working with him, and by the way, he says, hello. And you say, hello. I will let him know. <laughs> I was hoping to meet his mom here, but she wasn't able to come tonight. But the fact of the matter is, we've trained many men and women to work with the deaf throughout our, our time there at Afata Ministries, and we love to do that because it is our heart and it's our passion. If you consider how many deaf there are and how many missionaries we have in the world today, there's only one missionary to the deaf for every four countries. I want you to think about the need. So the question is, what are you doing to reach the deaf here in Gainesville? Or what can you do? There may be someone here who no sign language. Maybe you don't. But through your missions work, you can partner with people like myself to help us reach the deaf around the world. You as well can have a part in bringing the deaf to the feet of Jesus. Now, many people have asked me, why do you work with the deaf? And I'll explain that to you in just a moment. But I want to give you an opportunity to ask any questions you might have. I think the video is pretty self-explanatory of what we're doing. But I want to give you an opportunity to ask any questions. It's the first time meeting me, my first time meeting you. And believe me, it's a, it's a great privilege and an honor. 
But if you have any questions about deaf ministry, about my family and I, I do have 10 children the last time I counted. Uh, seven are out of the home. I have one in the Space Force, one one's a missionary, one's in the Space Force, one's in the Marine Corps. One is, trying to, is about to graduate Bible college and is trying to go in the National Guard, Air National Guard. And then I have one who has six children in LaBelle and going to have seven. And I have another one up in North Dakota. Uh, where else? Let's see. I think that's all of them. And the three that are home. So uh, 15, we'll have 15 grandkids by the time this cycle's over. We've got 13 now, two on the way. So do you have any questions for us? Yes, ma'am. Sign language. Because I knew American Sign Language fluently, it was easier for me to pick up their Peruvian Sign Language because Peruvian Sign Language is very close to American Sign Language. It's not the same, but it's close enough that it was easy for me to pick it up. The problem was that was a hindrance in my Spanish learning. I did not do it right. I did write a book about deaf ministry, by the way. It's called Into the Silence. You can get it on Amazon if, you wanna, if you're interested in it. And I tell people when it comes to language learning, I did not do it the right way. I do always recommend now that you go someplace other than where you're going to be working and, and spend time in intensive language study for the, for the language you're going to learn before you go to the country that you're going to be working in. Or if you're going to do it in that country, you stay focused on your language. Because I, I still learn Spanish every day. It's a, but when I, because I was able to, my mindset was I, can, I know sign language, I can work with the deaf right away. And that was true. But not knowing the language of the culture of the people around me was a great hindrance because I'm not deaf, I'm hearing. So learn the language, amen? Other questions? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. You'll have to invite me back. The government has just... It's not like in America. In America, where, where you can have a private Christian school and run it your way, pretty much, especially in Florida, we don't have that luxury. All the schools, whether they're public or private, religious, parochial, or otherwise, are all controlled by the government in some form or fashion. They shut our orphanage down. They shut our residential school down. They shut our high school down. They got it in their head that they wanted to send the deaf to the schools with the hearing in an inclusion program. The problem is they're not equipped for that. They don't have qualified interpreters. They don't have teachers that know how to teach. So now there's a new generation of deaf that are growing up ignorant because of the government. And I have battled with them for years. It's a losing battle. They just have it in their head. It is what it is. But in spite of all that, our students from our school are the best students in the nation. They all read better, write better, interact better. They have their problems, but at least they know the choices, they understand the choices they're making. Now what we've done because they closed, we had to suspend for, for COVID. COVID took its toll on everybody in Peru. I don't know if you know this, but COVID was, a, uh, Peru was one of the number one percentages of death in all the world. They were killing them the way they were treating it. Many pastors died of COVID. Fortunately, none, none, none of our pastors. But we had to suspend the school, and we thought that we were going to end up having to close the school. But when we went back to the government to, to reopen, they said, hey, you were never, we didn't suspend you. 
I said, great, that means we don't have to jump through all these hoops. We just reopened again, and now we have our kindergarten and first grade open again. And this year we'll, we'll have more grades, and we're going to slowly build up. But it's all primary grades. We can't have a high school. So what we do is the students that we had in high school, we made an agreement with a state school, which is a GED-type school. You understand what the GED is? Anyone of any age can go there, and it's a, 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 you know, a condensed version of school. Well, um, they have a program similar to that in Peru, and the deaf go there, and we interpret for them. And so we do get some graduates out of that. But our goal is to change our school into a regular school, but there's a law that says you can't do that. You can't change a special education school into a regular school. You have to start from scratch. So we're working on that. And once we do that, we will then be able to have our inclusion school, but we'll do it our way. Their way is mix them in everything. Our way is language, math, where it's important, separate. Chapel, physical education, where it's not important, together. So therefore, they'll get the best of both worlds. And you pray for us as we're in that process. It's going to take a couple of years to get it all set up, but it's what we're trying to do. It means we'll have to have a regular hearing school. Now, why is that difficult? You can't discipline in Peru. Now, can you imagine having a school... Kids are like, oh, great, man. I wish I could go to school like that. Can you imagine going to school? You can't discipline them. You can't put them in timeout. You can't stick them in a the corner. You can't, you're not even supposed to tell them, naughty, naughty, little Johnny. Well, you, where there is no discipline, there is no education. The schools there are the worst in Latin America. It's a mess. So the only one good thing about a private school is if a child doesn't behave, we call the parents and say, take them away. Problem is, if that's a deaf child, that's probably the last opportunity that child will ever have to have a true Bible education or true education and to possibly hear the gospel. So it takes years for a deaf person to understand the gospel because they, they live in a concrete world. They do not live in abstracts. We learn abstracts by what we learn, what we see, what we hear around us. They don't hear, so they don't understand grace. Grace is an abstract concept that has to be talked to them in concrete ways. So anyways, hope that answers your question about that. The government has been quite a problem for us. Yes? No, 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 no. Let me clarify. They're not anti-deaf. They just think their way's better, and it's not. They, they love the, They have laws. Do you know Peruvian Sign Language is an official language of Peru? We don't even have that in America. So it's not that, they, that they, they just are ignorant about how to do it. And when you try to help them, they don't listen. I told them eight years ago what they were doing would fail. Four years later, they came to my office and said, will you help us? It's not working. I said, I told you so. But they didn't want to do what I wanted to do. So they left, never to be heard from again. So um, the second part of your question was what? Christianity. They are neutral towards Christ. They don't mind. They're a Catholic nation, generally speaking, and the government has a lot of Catholic leanings, but they have had a lot of socialistic leaders that are anti-anything religious. The most dangerous job in Peru is the presidency. They've had like six or seven of them in the past seven years. And, and the current government's a political mess. There's all kinds of corruption. They, one of the reasons we can't get anything done through the Ministry of Education because the Ministry of Education changes more faster than the presidency does. They never, we can't get anybody who can stick to a plan and go with it. 
Peru is just that way. It's, it's a, in its government, it's third world. Banana Republicish. So it is what it is. But the people respect Americans, and the people are kind. The people aren't the problem in Peru. It's the bureaucracy. Remember, the United States was based on a biblical principle, or biblical principles. Peru was not. They were lost people. Lost people do what lost people do by nature. So there you have, you have all their false religions that they had with, of the Incas and the Quechuas and the people before them. And they worship the mountains. They worship the sun. They worship the wind. They worship the puma. They worship the condor. They worship all the fire. They worship all these things. And when the Catholics came in, they just replaced it with another false religion. So true Bible Christianity has only been improved for around 100 years or less as far as good fundamental Christianity. You're not going to change the government politically. You can only change it through the gospel. We are living in a time when our government it, uh, it looks an awful lot like a third world banana republic now. I don't care what side of the spectrum you are. If you are thinking that a hope for America is in our government, you are willfully ignorant. The hope for America is not in the government. The hope for America is behind its pulpits. The hope for America is the gospel. Because those people in power now are just as lost as the government officials in Peru and need the gospel. And the only way to change them is for them to respond to the gospel. Otherwise, we're slouching towards Gomorrah. And if you're any kind of study of prophecy, you realize America is going to decline because it is not a major player in end times prophecy. We just hate to be the ones alive during the decline. <laughs> but we always can be a light. That's why I don't lose hope. We have a blessed hope. You know, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is coming back. And we have that hope. So we do not have to panic. We just have to be light for those who are panicking so they can find hope, faith, and truth. Okay. Other questions? Yes, sir. Yes, they're the Quechua people. I'm sorry? The native people, right, the Quechua people. Not any more than any other, any other peoples. And, and even if they were, we would treat them like we treat all, of, all the deaf people. They would learn the same Peruvian sign language. They would, before they would come to our school and live, we have some indigenous people that have come to our school, and they would live there, and we would raise them and train them. Marcos, the young man, he's, his family's come from indigenous lines. He disappeared. He got on a, on a truck, fell asleep when he was 9 or 10 years old, woke up, missed his exit, didn't know where to go, been lost. Finally, they, they brought him to us. We raised him, and about a year ago, we found his family. His mom died three months before we found them. But, but he has a great relationship with his father, his brothers and sisters, so he's a happy camper. He misses his mom, but it is what it is. Margot, the wife of the deaf man at the end, the deaf preacher, she was raised at Afata as an orphan. And now she's a pastor's wife with three children. Oh, it's incredible what God has done. You know, it, we don't have thousands saved but when you think about percentage-wise, how many deaf we've been able to reach and men, we have six men that are missionaries that we have sent out out of our church, trained, ordained, and sent out from our church 
reaching deaf and hearing around the world. We have conferences of hundreds of people. We just had one of five, six hundred. We got one in a few weeks that will probably be about five or six hundred people. I've had in as much as 800 people. And we preach the gospel. We get hearing people saved and deaf people saved. We do there what you do here. And we just ask God to use us. We are no better or no worse. We are just called to a different place, to a different field. The difference is, it is God's heartbeat missions and his plan for us to partner together. The American church, do you know why God has prospered the American church? Not so we can sit back and say, look how great we are. God prospers the American church so that the American church can reach the world through that prosperity. That they can invest in missionaries who will answer the call, will sacrifice their lives and go to... I went to the mission field from a place... I had five children. I was a deputy sheriff. I was an assistant pastor. I was about to get recommended to a church in Naples as pastor. And I put all that away and sold everything I had and took 16 duffel bags to Peru with my five children. I've been there ever since. Does that make me any better than you know? It makes me a person who was called to do that and I just was willing to obey. The question is, North Gainesville, are you willing to obey God and do your part? Do you know when COVID hit, many missionaries lost support? It was a hard time. But we saw the resilience of the American church that stepped up and continued supporting their missionaries. Now, it didn't work that way in Peru. Peruvian churches cut their support for their missionaries. Very few Peruvian missionaries or Peruvian nationals were, were able to maintain their support from their Peruvian supporting churches. But uh, we were blessed in that our support barely moved. That's, that's a miraculous thing from God. God has sustained us. And he will and is. And even as the decline of America is today, there's hope. Why? Because American churches realize time is short and we've got a job to do and we've been spending all this stuff on, on us. We've got surpluses in our missions budgets. We need to do something about it. There are missionaries still going out to the mission field. Missionaries who still need support and they need more support. Because inflation is all over the place. In Peru, the inflation is worse than it is here. What, I, what my dollar would go for just two years ago maybe covers 40 cents today. But you know what? God supplies. And he wants to continue. You're going into your missions conference time. I'm saying this because I want to encourage you. God is not looking at the size of your church, the number of your membership, He's looking at your hearts as individuals, what you will do for the cause of Christ in missions. Will you partner with those God has put on your heart to partner to reach this world with the gospel? You cannot reach the 194 plus countries all alone on yourself. We need to work together to reach those people. And so I want to encourage you, do that. Now, in the time I have left, I'm not really going to preach a missions message because you've got missionaries and mission speakers that are coming to do that. I can do that if that's what Pastor wants. But I want to, to give you something that you can take home that will enhance your life every day.
It is why I am so passionate about working with deaf. And if you notice, we have deaf blind too. My son has Down syndrome. What a joy. Did you know that God makes all people on purpose for a purpose? God makes no mistakes. Now I want to direct your attention to Exodus chapter 4, please. Exodus chapter 4. The mindset in Peru, the mindset of many nations, especially Catholic ones, the mindset of many Christians is what I'm about to share with you in just a moment. But I want you to know that the mindset that I'm going to share with you is wrong. The mindset is, why was that person born deaf? Why was that person born blind? Why was that person born with Down syndrome? Why does that person have autism? Why does that person... What did you do wrong for you to have a special needs child in your life? And that's what many people think. Somebody did something wrong and, that's, and thus you are paying the price for your sin. I want to tell you something. That's not true. That's not true. I want to show you something that maybe you might have seen or maybe not. Look with me at Exodus chapter 4 in verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Get the picture. What's the background? Moses is 80 years old now. He's just spent 40 years in the backside of the desert learning how to be a pastor. Before that, he was at the pinnacle of success. There was hardly anybody as successful as Moses was. He was well-liked. He had the best education Egypt could provide. He lived in the palace as a prince. He was well, well-loved and liked and well-respected and had all kinds of authority and power and was one of the most educated people of his day. And God says to him, of course, we know he tried to save God's people his way. It didn't work. Ended up going 40 years in the backside of the desert and lied, because the Lord had some things to teach him for the next 40 years of his life. But what's interesting here is what he says when God calls him to be his spokesperson. He says, I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't talk. He lied. There's no indication that Moses had any problem speaking the first 40 years. What was the problem? He hung out with the sheep for too long? Bah, 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 bah. The problem was he's afraid. He did not want to be. He thought, you're making a mistake. Me? But look what God says in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now we understand the word dumb there is talking about mute people, not the mute people. God says he made the mute, the blind, the deaf on purpose. They were not a result of the corruption of the DNA. 
They were not the result. They're not the result of somebody's sin. God says, I'm just like I made your mouth, Moses. I made them. And just like I have a plan for you, Moses, by extension, I have a plan for them. That special person that's in your life or the life of someone around you that you know who has been struggling with this, they need to understand God makes no mistakes. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God formed us. He has written our members in a book that is in heaven. Every single one of you, there is a book in heaven with your formation in it that in eternity you can pull out and say, boy, I was pretty ugly in high school. <laughs> you are not a mistake. You are on purpose. And you have equal value. My Down syndrome son has equal value in God's eyes as any one of us who are quote-unquote normal. But it doesn't stop there. Here's the incredible part. Go with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 19. In the middle of the law, and may I say this, whether you agree or disagree, that's another day for another day. The law isn't ended. The law was fulfilled. What does that mean? Christ came to fulfill the law. All that the law had to point to Christ's coming was fulfilled. But the law, the moral law of God, was now transferred, written in our hearts. And one of those laws in the midst of all of these laws is this. Verse 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. Do you see what God says? Not only did I create special needs people for a reason, you better not mock them. There were a bunch of kids who, who mocked somebody who didn't have any more hair. It didn't go well for them, did it? You see, as teenagers, we mock people that are different because it makes us feel better. But we shouldn't be doing, we should mature out of that. But as adults, sometimes people do that too. A guy comes in, he's just a little different because of his circumstances in life. A disability that he might have, and we don't want to sit next to him. God says we don't mock him, we don't put a stumbling block before them but you are to fear me. Why? Because I created them. I have a plan for them, just like I have for you. That is a special protection that God puts in the Word of God for deaf people, for blind people, and by extension, all who would be different. Now, you say, okay, wow, I didn't see that. Now I understand it. But now I want to tell you we already know the how. God made them. We already know the care that God gives them, but now the why. Why did God make special needs people? I'm going to give you three biblical examples and show you the why. Go with me to the New Testament, please. To the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 7... We have the passage where the name of our ministry comes from, 734. But I want to give you some context here, and I want to show you something 
that maybe you haven't seen. The Bible says, verse 31, And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Verse 32, look. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hands upon him. Now I want you to get the picture. Jesus is going to an area called Decapolis. This is not a Jewish area. It is a Gentile area. He had already been there before. The maniac of Gadara, all that. So his fame was known. They knew about him. So there was a deaf man that had some friends. <clears throat> we don't know how they communicated. Surely there was not official sign language. There might have been home signs or something. This guy, this deaf man, never communicated with anybody with any kind of verbal acuity because he could not. His voice was damaged. The Bible says he had an impediment in his speech. He was not unlike, he wasn't like Moses. He truly could not speak. So even if he was hearing, he would not have been able to speak. So this deaf man has never formed a cogent, understandable sentence in his life. And here's his buddies thinking, hey, that faith healer Jesus is coming by. Let's go see the show. Now you say, preacher, that's, an ex that you're, that's eisegesis. Where are you getting that from? I'll exegete it from the text. I need a deaf man. Hmm. Young man here who's scratching his shoulder. Come up here. Go over there by that chair, please. Thank you. What's your name? Jesse. I like that name. That's my name, my dad's name, my grandpa's name, my son's name, and my grandson's name. And now my friend's name. Okay, Joseph. Do they call you Joseph or Joe? Joseph. Joseph, okay. I call my son Joseph, too, because I didn't want him to be called Joey. Little Joey, little Joey. Come here, little Joey. Anyway. Everybody has their psychological quips, you know? Okay, here's Joseph. You can take your hands out of your pocket. It's okay. I'm not going to bite. All right. Now, Joseph is now deaf. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He's never heard of Jesus. He doesn't understand anything about Jesus. He's just over here, and some friends, come on over here. Some friends say, Hey, Jesus! Hey, Jesus! They're healed! Can you heal them? Now, how do I know their attitude wasn't necessarily the best? because of what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus did. In the Bible it says, and he took him aside from the multitude. Jesus took the deaf man away from his friends and the crowd. When have you ever seen Jesus do that to heal anybody? There was only one time when Jesus separated that person to be healed from those watching. That was when they were mocking him about the little girl. She's not dead. She's sleeping. Out. That's the only other time in the Bible that I know of that Jesus separated somebody out. But you see, there is more to it than that. Here this deaf man, he has no idea who Jesus is. Maybe he's looking over his shoulder at his friend. What's going on here? then Jesus does some things that are pretty interesting. Why did Jesus separate? He was giving him his dignity, showing him value. I'm not going to make a spectacle out of you. 
People with disabilities don't want to be made spectacle of. They just want to be accepted, be able to live their lives. So here he is. He didn't know what's going on. He's like, oh. And then all of a sudden, Jesus does some things that are pretty interesting. He takes his fingers and he sticks them in his ears. Oh, brother, come on. <laughs> then he spits and touches his tongue. I'll spare you. <laughs> and then he looks up to heaven and sighs. What is Jesus doing? Does he need to manipulate him to heal him? Does he even need to touch him to heal him? What's he doing then? Thank you for the question. I will now answer it. Jesus is communicating with this deaf man in a language he can understand. He's telling him, I know you're deaf. More than that, I know that you have a problem with your vocal cords. More than that, something's about to happen to you and it doesn't come from this earth, it comes from above. And more than that, I love you. He's communicating with this deaf man, not in any formal sign language, but showing him just by what he has done. There's value in you, and I want you to understand, I understand. And that's what a missionary does. He goes to a foreign field, and he communicates to the people in a language they can understand. I have always had a problem with these missionaries to the American military who go to a foreign country and never want to learn the national language. They just want to keep speak English so they can help people, American soldiers. Now, I'm, I'm not against that. But why would you not want to take advantage of learning a national language and reach some national people and helping start a national church that reaches your military friends? That's just my thing. I had to learn two languages. Can you at least not learn one? So now, but notice, nothing's happened so far. He sighs and then he says, Ephatha, which means be open. Now I want you to see something. Come here for a minute, Joseph. Read verse 35. <laughs> Did you hear that? And when did that happen? Straight away. What does straightway mean? Immediately. 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 His ears were open, and the, the string of his tongue was loose, and he spake. What does it say? And he spake plain. Plain. Folks, the miracle wasn't the fact that he could hear now and speak, a blah, blah, blah. The miracle was he was given complete, intelligible language. Greek, probably. Like that. God not, Jesus not only healed phys, his physiological, he healed his mind, programmed him with full language capability instantly with proper pronunciation. It says he spake plain. It was There was none of that. 
It was, Mom, Dad, look at me. Because of that, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Clean your ears next time. <laughs> the Bible says in verse 37, and we're beyond measure astonished, saying, what? He hath done all things well. My friends, Jesus Christ does all things well. He created that deaf man because one day he would have a divine appointment because the Savior would come by and do a notable miracle that would be glory and honor and acceptance to his name and show an unconditional love. Now go with me to John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, we read this tremendous story. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, you know they've uncovered this pool. They know it's there now. People tried to deny it, but <laughs> that's one thing I love about my Bible. The skeptics and the scoffers say that ain't true, and then archaeology comes by and says, oh, yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> Did you know every time the Bible is proven right, there hasn't been a time when the Bible narrative has been proven wrong. They didn't think there was such a person as Pilate. Then they found out there was. Trust your Bible. It's the best book on history that ever existed. It's the best book on maps for archaeology that will ever exist. It's the best science book because when it talks about science... And it doesn't often, but when it does, it's correct. So when it talks about spiritual things, you can accept that it's correct as well. Amen? So here, this at this pool, and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And I want you to get the picture. Around this pool, there are a lot of people who are disabled in, to various degrees, waiting for something that only happened once in a while, which is very unusual because we have no history of this before this and we have no continuation of it after this. We know it happened for a while. So God is now preparing the stage for a divine appointment again. He sends an angel from time to time at a certain season who agitates the water and the first person who steps in gets healed of whatever infirmity they had. Now I want you to get the picture. Then the Bible says in verse 5, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. For thirty-eight years there was a man who was mobility challenged, physically disabled. Someone had to bring him to that pool and leave him there. And he kept going there year after year after year probably daily, never knowing whether he would be able to get into that water. Then something happened. When Jesus saw him lying, knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Why do you think the guy's there? 
Of course he wants to be made whole. Jesus didn't ask him that question because he didn't know. He's just establishing the truth of what's going on here. Now note this. That man could have decided that day, I ain't going. I've been doing this for years. And always some guy that's got leprosy jumps in, or a guy who's got a withered hand jumps in, or a guy who's got a cold jumps in. And me, I don't have anybody to toss me into the water. I have to try to move to get there. And by the time I get there, it's done. But you notice something about that man? He never lost hope or faith that one day would be his day. He kept going to where the power of God was manifest day in and day out without fail for many of those 38 years. Now, I want to make an application to the local church today. Today, the power of God is manifest in the preaching of God's word from the pulpits all across America. And we have people that go to church and they sit under the preacher and the preacher preaches and teaches and he, and he pours his heart out and he does expository preaching and then he'll do some topical preaching and he'll try to expound the Bible and help you understand it so you can be better Christians. And you say, oh, that was a good message, Brother Moon. Thank you so much. Oh, that was very nice, Brother Moon. So, you know, but it really wasn't for me. I already knew that. And maybe after a couple of years you say, you know what? I just really haven't felt the movement of God lately. I think I'll just... Uh, Go on vacation and miss church Sunday. Catch the live stream. Hopefully my internet will work. And you don't go to church that day. And you have specific needs in your life, and they're just, you don't seem to feel like they're getting met. God hasn't met with you. Part of the problem is you've lacking your personal devotional life. You don't have a, a relationship with God that's intimate. So that day, Brother Moon gets up. He opens his Bible. He notices that you're not there, but he loves you. He's going to call say, hey, is everything okay? You didn't bother calling and telling me you weren't going to show up. And he starts preaching, and something happens. God had something for you that day, and you weren't there. But yet everybody else in the church got it. And you hear this great revival that starts kicking in, and where were you? You see, the message every Sunday may not be specifically for you. But you need to be where the power of God is manifest so that when it is for you, you're ready to receive it. And here this man comes, and Jesus comes. The power wasn't going to come from that angel. The power was coming from Jesus. Jesus healed that man. He honored his faithfulness to be there day in and day out with hope, knowing that one day... Maybe one day it'll be for me. And he was gloriously healed. The religious crowd didn't like it. Of course, we understand that. But it still brought glory to God. And I bet if you were to ask that crippled man, was it worth being crippled for 38 years? For this moment? And he would say, if I had to do it all over again, I would. You see, no matter what disabilities or limitations we may have, it's so worth it if it can be used for the master's service. Let's look at a third guy, and we're almost done. And you're going, don't you know that the, the, the what do they call that thing, the Super Bowl's going on? 
we're having to TiVo this. I'm thankful that you're here. And, you know, those that aren't here, maybe they're watching the Super Bowl. I don't know. Chapter 9. I asked Pastor. Pastor was going to have me over at his house, but his wife got sick, unfortunately. And he said, you know, you like the Super Bowl? I said, well, no. I mean, I'm not a sports guy. But I can sit and enjoy it. I can enjoy your enthusiasm. You know, you got, you know, chips and dip and, you know, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> good food. And I can sit there and watch you go, ah, yeah, no, no, no. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, it's halftime, Brother Joe. Oh. <laughs> I said, but wait a minute, preacher, doesn't the Super Bowl start before 6? Oh, he says, I'm recording it. We'll catch the second half of it, maybe. And, and then we can catch the rest of it. Okay, amen, so I better hurry up. <laughs> and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Now, when did this man become blind? Birth. Watch the next question. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Can I ask you a question? If there is an intellectual person in this room tonight, besides Pastor Moon, well, even if he's not intellectual, I can tease him. He's my friend. When did this guy have time to sin before he was born? Did he kick his mom the wrong way in the belly? When? When did the guy have time to sin? Do you see how ingrained the attitude was? That they would ask such a stupid question. Now, I could understand them asking, did his parents sin? Because that's what everybody else does. But him? He was born blind. But I love the answer. Jesus didn't berate him because it's the same attitude 2,000 years later that we see every day today. What did you do wrong? 18 years ago, Joel was born. I brought him into life in my bedroom. I knew he wasn't right, so I went ahead and took him to the hospital just to make sure. Because, you know, Down syndrome children, they often have heart issues. Thank God Joel never had any heart issues. Brought him home, and two, three days later, the, my wife is, I walk into the apartment, and I'm, I'm going into the bedroom, and my wife is sitting on the floor. Now, if you know my wife, Lisa, she does not cry at the drop of a hat. She is not an emotional person like that. But she is sitting on the floor, rocking Joel, crying. I'm out of my wits. What happened? Did he die? What did we do wrong? What happened? What, 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 what? I said, then why are you crying? She said, I don't understand. Oh, no, I'm like, well, but Lisa, we understand you. No, no, you don't understand. I don't understand. One of our dearest deaf friends, a lady, went to my wife and asked her, what did you guys do wrong? Why is God punishing you? My wife wasn't crying because she thought we did anything wrong. We know better. She was brokenhearted that a deaf lady, a close friend of ours, would say such a thing and not understand. She's crying because this is our precious gift from God. Given to us for a special reason. 
not knowing what we're doing, going to learn along the way, and thanking God that He could consider us worthy to have a special needs child after all these years working with special people. And one of those special people comes up and says the same thing so many people say today. What did you do wrong? It's not a new problem. It was prevalent in Jesus' day. And here's his answer. Jesus answered, verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Then God healed him. You see, God... Do you understand the gospel as two sides of the coin? One side is the spiritual side, the preaching, the word of God, the soul winning. The other side is the social side, the caring for others, the putting a cloak on a person who doesn't have one, the feeding the person who doesn't have food, the caring for them. During COVID, we fed hundreds of people every week. God just provided and we provided for them. Many of those people are sitting in church today because of it. You see, if a person has a need, giving them a gospel track and saying, be warmed and filled doesn't do squat for them. You have to take care of their need where they're at, socially, which then gives you credibility when you speak to them spiritually. It's two sides of the same coin. Jesus in his entire ministry, you watch it. It's full of social work, which opened the door for his spiritual work. Your church ought to be involved in the community in social ways, helping your community in whatever you can do to open people's eyes because that's how we demonstrate the unconditional love of God how we relate to our special needs children or the special needs children in our churches or around us and how we treat them with a love that has no expectation for a return. That shows the love of God because that's what he did for us when he for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That he gave his son when you and I were spiritually deaf, spiritually blind, spiritually heart, halt. We couldn't give back. And he sent his son to die for us. When we were mocking him, when we were cursing him, when we were cruel, he sent Jesus to die for us because he said, I love you in spite of all. When we love special needs children and people, we reflect the love of God. And the lost world sees it. And some will be saved. Why do you think Mother Teresa is so reverenced and revered? It wasn't because of her great preaching. It was because of her social work, her sacrificial selfless love and social work. She is venerated in the Catholic Church, but she is also honored 
in the secular world. Folks, we're not looking for the world's veneration. Neither the world's honor. But if we will do what Jesus did and love unconditionally and remember that special person in your life isn't a mistake and how we relate and treat them in God's way, we will be able to draw more people to Christ. That is what our whole ministry is about. We have had Catholic nuns come into our church. We have had political people come into our church, look at what we do, and say, you are doing the Lord's work. They don't even have a clue what the Lord's work is. Those Catholic nuns supported deaf kids in our school for years. They were witness to. The deaf kids got saved. I close with this. A lady came up to me after I preached this message. This is the message I normally preach when I'm introducing our work to a church so they can understand why is it so important, why the deaf. It's not like, I mean, I, I agree we ought to have Spanish ministries and all kinds of things like that, but what is it about the deaf that, that draws you? It's because it demonstrates the pure love of God in ministry and care, and they're not a mistake because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. She came up to me and she said, Pastor, my daughter died. She was 23 years old. She was a special needs child and I cared for her and I cared for her and I cared for her. And I always asked God, what did I do wrong? I couldn't understand it. Nobody could give me the answer. This is the first time in my life that I realized I didn't do anything wrong. I loved my daughter unconditionally. And now I know I was just doing what God would have me to do and that it was his will. A burden was lifted off of her. Another man jumped up right about where that lady is standing or sitting. Hey, where was that message 19 years ago? Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't here 19 years ago. I have begged God. I have cried. I have poured my heart out asking God, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong that my son was born? He had a disability. What did we do wrong? And for the first time in my life, I realized we didn't do anything wrong. God has always had a perfect plan. And now I understand. I don't know if anybody here has struggled with that. But just know if you know someone who has, now you have Bible to show them. Their child their family member, their friend is not a mistake. God made them that way on purpose for his purpose. And one might say, but is that cruel? Would the deaf man say that it was cruel that he was born deaf? No. Would that blind man say it was cruel that he was born blind? No. Would that crippled man say it was cruel that he was born crippled? No. They would all say it was worth it all because we saw Jesus. Are we going to be God's counselor? Are we going to tell him where he's made a mistake? God makes no mistakes. And you are definitely not a mistake. Father, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. I pray you'll bless this church and help them. Lord, if anybody in this church has been struggling with that, heal them tonight from the word of God. Help this church always be sensitive to special needs people in their midst and looking at ways to minister to them. And Lord, I pray you'll use Pastor Moon here in a mighty way and his leadership team that this church will make a difference in this place, but not only here, but around the world through their missions, giving, and program. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. If God has spoken to your heart, as Brother Joe mentioned, God makes no mistakes. Everyone here tonight and everyone who watches this, there's a reason and purpose for you to listen to it. Maybe specifically in a situation in your life, it may not be right now, but maybe down the road. That God allows things to happen. We don't always understand why. But we know he's good. We know he's in control. God is good. We know he's in control, always. And he loves us. Sometimes in situations in life, and circumstances in life, we question it. We ask why. We can get bitter and get mad. But God loves us, and he's in control. Maybe you're going through a difficulty. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's some other type of problem that you've been struggling with and wondering why. Why are we going through this difficulty at this stage in life? Why, are we ha- why am I having this type of problem? Why, God? Maybe God wants to use that problem. God wants to use that situation to grow you up in the Lord, to help you spiritually, and to see other folks saved through your trial, through your difficulty, how he'll answer that prayer, and he'll be glorified by bringing others to himself through that problem. God works, as we say, in mysterious ways. The question is, will you trust him tonight? I hope and pray everyone here tonight and everyone who hears the sound, through the sound of my voice through watching on YouTube will hope you know Christ is your Savior. The most important thing in life is to know Christ personally. There's been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner and you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. If you've not done that, oh dear friend, I beg you to do that tonight. We'd love to talk to you more. But dear Christian tonight, maybe the message is for you. There's no, it was no accident Joe Cotvass came here tonight. Maybe that message is for you. Let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to your heart, the altar is open tonight. Whatever it might be, maybe it be something totally different the Holy Spirit spoke to you about tonight. Would you just say, yes, Lord, God spoke to me about something specific. I need to respond to that. I need to obey. I need to do what God wants me to do. Whatever that might be, however that might be, as the piano plays, the altar is open this, this evening. Maybe you guys should come and ask God for help. Ask God for strength. Why am I going through this physical difficulty? Why is my friend going through pain? Would you trust God? The same God who saved your soul from hell, you can trust Him every day to provide for you, to to help you, to guide you, to direct you. Would you trust Him? Oh, dear friend, give it to God. Let Him lead you and guide you. He's never failed you never will. The altar's open tonight. Come do business with God in his altar.
Dear Holy Father, we just thank you that we have a we have a perfect God. We have you have a perfect plan, Lord. Lord, we uh, we thank you that uh, that you you make no mistakes, Lord. In fact, you say that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Lord. That uh, I thank you that that you're willing to save anybody, Lord. We don't we have a whosoever salvation, Lord. And I just thank you for that, and thank you for the perfect will that you have, Lord. Lord, just help us to uh, take the message and apply it to our lives, Lord. Help us to. Uh, just to, to thank you for the circumstances that you give us and how we can use those in our testimony in our lives to share with others and to witness to others, Lord. Lord, take us home safely tonight. Bring us back safely in next appointed time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There will be offering plates in the back if anybody would like to uh, leave money for missionary.